Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hey guys, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. Today I'm here with Modson. And Chuko. <laughs> Chuko. Yeah. We have a guest. Yeah, we have my favorite place in the whole world right now. Pretty much, besides Paris, France. This is it. So you're originally born in Bloomington? Yeah, Bloomington, Minnesota. Was it for your was it for your parents' job or why were why was your family there? <clears throat> well, all my family is still there except my father. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I guess that's just where my whole DNA kind of sat at. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think um my family, like my the side of my mom's family is like um like Nordic in a way. Okay. And a lot of that ancestry ended up in like Minnesota for some oh. really strange reason. But it's like Minnesota Vikings, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the name of our football team. Yeah. Like that's like a Nordic thing, like Vikings, oh, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. yeah, there's like this really weird tide. So I think that's I guess maybe how my family ended up there. And then my dad's side is um just crazy motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah, they're all still there. Everyone except my father. What did your mom do when you were growing up? Um like career wise. Well what what when my mom and dad were together when I was growing up, when I was really young. Um, they owned a business together, mm-hmm. like a trucking company, where they would line up, um, like, you know, semis and all that shit that you see on the road? Mm-hmm. So they have, like, hubs all around the country that they show up to and pick up cargo for people. Oh. So my mom and dad, well, my dad did. My dad owned it. My mom worked for him. And they would just, like, have all these products of companies. Mm-hmm. And then semis would stop buy every fucking day at this warehouse yeah. and pick all that shit up yeah and then when my parents got divorced like it kind of that's when like life really like took it took a turn because like mm-hmm. i said my dad come on you go what did you find uh my dad owned the business yeah. and so when we when my parents got divorced my dad like basically like fired my mom essentially mm-hmm. and so and then my mom got full custody of me and my sister so we're living with my mom we literally, like, went from, like, doing pretty good because they own their own business. And mm-hmm. We were doing pretty good. We lived on a farm to, like, being broke as fuck. Damn. You know? Like, my mom had no no job at all. Two kids. And then also the reason that, like, what basically my dad gave to her because he took the business mm-hmm. was their uh, our house. Yeah. But our house wasn't was not paid for yet. It was mortgaged. And then so it got foreclosed on. <sighs> so then lost every all that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So then we went to being like totally fucking broke for real. Well, at what age were you at this point? Um, four, like four years old. Okay. Four or five years old. Do you still remember like back then? Hell yeah. Yeah. I have, I, I remember my first memory. I remember like, yeah, I remember everything, especially because I lived on a farm growing up. So then living on a farm, like for me, <laughs> I immediately realized like, I had to be my best friend. Watch your stuff right there. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just have, I, I'm kind of still the exact same person, right? That mm-hmm. I felt like the inside of my head still feels the exact same way as it did when I was like a little kid playing on the farm, climbing trees and shit. Because I've never looked at the world in a way that was like not my own reality. You know mm, what I'm saying? Yeah. I always knew I was different. I knew growing up on a farm by myself. I knew at three years old, four years old, this was different, you know? Like, having no friends to play with and, like, having to create your own shit. Because when you live on four-acre farm, 
in the middle of Minnesota, in the middle of nowhere. Like, you don't have neighbors, you know? Yeah. And I wasn't even going to school, you know? I don't think, because I was in kindergarten at that point or some shit, but, like, my parents, like, took me out of that or some shit. Actually, where do you even think you got your creative side from? Like, are you one of your parents yeah. creative? Um, well, so, like, my dad is, is, like, the charisma that I get, the character, the, you know, mm -hmm. The, the character that is me and like being able to be really funny and fun and like a cool, like a cool motherfucker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I get that from my dad for sure. And then from my mom, like my mom's a pure angel, like really an angel. Like, wh like when they did got, get divorced, she like quit her whole life to make sure me and my sister were good. Oh, wow. And like, I didn't really get to finish that story. Like what, like what happened is that my mom then going from having nothing, she uh, started interning at this mm -hmm. job. It was called Digi which she worked until she just retired recently. And they like invented this board that every computer, that every, com every company in this world that has computers run off of the same server has to have this thing in their computers called digiboards, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what she sold and she started interning for them. She killed it so hard, like after a couple of years, she got promoted, 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 just, just doing amazing things to the company. And then like I said, she just retired recently, but she like stopped her whole life to make sure me and my sister were good, you know? And um, so she's an angel, and that's where I get my, like, clear, like, I don't need rules. I don't need laws because I know right and wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I know that, for, to, like, when I'm happy, when I'm, when I'm all that, it's, like, doing good, you know? I know when I'm doing good, and that's what makes me happy, and I know what doing bad is. Mm -hmm. And that's where I get that kind of thing. But creativity-wise, yeah, yeah, here we go. Let's get, like, <laughs> creativity-wise, like, yeah, no. I, get, I actually get, like, nothing from my family. They're all athletes. Oh, wow. Well. What kind of music were your sis was your sister and your mom playing in the house? When I was a kid? Uh, your mom and your sister. Yeah, okay, so like, so so that is where I get my love for music though, is from my dad as well. When I was a kid living on the farm, like we lived a mile away from Bob Dylan, from his, oh, wow. his farm in Minnesota. And um, my parents are like, they love rock and roll. Allman Brothers, the band, Bob Dylan, The Doors, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, all that. All that shit, that's what I was listening to when I grew up, like completely as a kid. It's in my, it's really in my DNA. I know every fucking song from like the 60s, 70s without knowing the band. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I know everything. So, um, I got my love for music really early on, but no one in my family played any music at all. But it's always been like classic, classic music been shown to me. And then like stuff like Frank Sinatra and... Jazz got kind of put on to me just from like my my love for things that came before me, you know? Mm -hmm. I really love to pay homage and respect like all these things that happened before me, you know? And then for like getting into drums, that was because your sister's friends were listening to, was it Hanson or who? <laughs> yeah, 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 that was, that was, okay, so that was like the, the best thing ever is that when I was younger, I got drums given to me a set of drums and I never played them they always just sat in my basement I never played them and then one day when Hanson popped off man and my sister being three years older than me she would come home from school and all her friends would be obsessed with Hanson and just sit and posters on the wall and talk about them and all this shit and I was like I can't believe these kids are like 10 years old playing in arenas and all that, you know? Mm -hmm. 
and I was just infatuated by it. And back then you were also photoshopping a lot, right? It was like band tees oh, and stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, my, my, um, like I've been, I've been hustling, making my own money forever. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I always had that in me, like entrepreneurship. Yeah. And so in high school, like I was a shit student, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm not, I'm not into that whole scholarship I'm sorry, scholar type of intelligence in mm -hmm. that many ways. You know what I'm saying? Science and, and all these things, they don't necessarily get me, like, turn me on. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, history class, like, I loved that. And, I, oh. and, and art class, I loved that. And um, uh, English class, because I, I love words. So, like, vocabulary mm -hmm. and, and, and all that, that kind of stuff really got me going into school. But um, everything else was just, like, lame to me. I didn't like it. So I would, I didn't even carry a backpack at school. I just carried a briefcase. And I carried <laughs> Yeah, and I carry my laptop with me, and and I would just in every class I'd just be sitting there and just be making band tees for, for all these like punk bands and shit. Mm -hmm. And then I learned how to do HTML coding and making oh, wow. websites for them, and then learning how to make web stores. And this was at the start of web stores. I was just gonna say this is like really early on. This is yeah. this is 2003. You know what I'm saying? 2002, <laughs> like 2003. Started. Like I graduated in 2005. Yeah. People, I'm 32, almost 32 years old. So like this is like 2003. I mean, this was this was MySpace. This was before Facebook, mm -hmm. any, anything else. This was MySpace and PureVolume.com and MP3.com and stuff like that. So, like, way different times. And um, I would just spend all my time just in class, sitting there and just making band t-shirts and websites. And that eventually led me to, like, really get be able to have a music career. Like, I was the first person in Minnesota that was bringing bands from out of state. Like, okay... Like, for instance, like, I have Fall Out Boy play in Minnesota on their first show opening for American Hi-Fi in the early November. Oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? Their first show. And so, like, like I was I was known as the cat in Minnesota at that time that was making moves. Like, for real. Even in high school, I was I was getting shows booked at the biggest venue, the venue that was owned by Prince. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The biggest, most illustrious venue in Minnesota. Like, I was bringing hardcore bands into it. There never, never would have been in that venue before. It was crazy. It's crazy times. But that's really what helped me get, like, a lot of my step, like, my foot in the door in music, you know, and touring and doing all that. Mm-hmm. And then how did you meet your first band? Uh, that was that, that was in high school. So I was in bands. Like I started a band with my with two of my friends when we were in seventh grade. We played our seventh grade talent show. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Come on, Chuko. We played our seventh grade talent show. So I was in a band at, in seventh grade. When I met the band that I really started doing stuff with was um, there's this venue in town in Minnesota that was like a teen center, and all the bands would come and play there. And so we were all from different cities, and my band was was dope, but like I was the star of my band. Like no pump fake, obviously like all of them are not, you know, they don't even have to play music anymore. But like mm -hmm. this is what I've always wanted to do. So, you know, I was kind of outshining my bandmates and wanting to get into a new band. And I picked out the two best musicians in, in Minnesota, you know? I was like, those are the two best. It's the best guitar player and singer, it's the best bass player and singer. I need to play with them. And, like, these guys are, like, classically trained, amazing musicians. You know, been doing this their whole life. Even though we're only in fucking, like, ninth grade at that point. But they've been doing this their whole life, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? Like, they have... Their moms were both piano teachers. Oh, you know wow. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, and so, I kind of pump faked them. And just... I, I had to use all my other things besides skill and talent mm -hmm. to get them to want me in their band. And I did it. And I pulled it off. I became the drummer of that. Started playing with, like, these really amazing musicians. We fucking took off. We started touring in high school. I basically dropped out of high school, even though I didn't technically. Mm -hmm. But my senior year, I spent half my time in Long Beach, California at my dad's house, out of school. And then the other half on tour. You know what I'm saying? So 
um, we started touring. We were trying to get signed, and um, and that that that's what brought me out of high school. You know what I'm saying? At 18 years old, I was traveling around the world in a fucking van with my homies playing Aww. songs. Did yeah. you have any mentors or anyone talk to? Because you were figuring, were you just figuring out yourself? There was nothing mm-hmm. online that you could read back then. No, definitely there was not YouTube how-to videos. That's for sure. <laughs> um, but. As far as everything, like, the people that I have tattooed on my arm up here and, like, my idols, like, that's who I've learned from mm-hmm. is is I know everything about Bob Dylan. I know everything about Jim Morrison. I know everything about these people that, I'm, that I care about. I know everything about Andy Warhol. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I've studied them and studied the greats. I made sure to always study the greats because then I wouldn't be led astray. So I've, those were my mentors. I've never had personally anyone in my life, a friend, a a older person a peer anyone who's taught me how to do this shit i've never been able to have a conversation growing up or you know now i obviously have people that i'm around that can can offer some kind of guidance but back then minnesota suburbs by myself skateboarding half and half colored hair wearing girls jeans fuck no (laughs) i was the biggest outcast you ever saw (laughs) (laughs) and were your parents like chill with the music career that you did my dad wasn't in my life at all Mm -hmm. so like he his 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 thoughts of me never affected me at all. I don't. I could care less what he thinks of me. But mm-hmm. he looks up to me. Like he thinks I'm the shit because he's obviously like he's a crazy. He was a motorcycle riding, bar fighting, motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like a bad kind of a bad dude, but <laughs> but cool, but mm-hmm. cool motherfucker. Um. So he didn't like. He was obviously like not. He never thought I was gonna become some fucking anything else, but probably what I am. My mom, my mom, on the other hand, she, she's, she's just, like I said, an angel. She's taught me so many things about when I have a kid, about how to raise mm-hmm. them. Because, like, she told me the first thing that I ever did that I had to go and be around people and try to, like, be something around other people was playing hockey. And I remember the, the reason that I entered hockey in Minnesota, because it, when I was a little kid, the only reason I started playing hockey is because in Minnesota, that's the thing you do is play hockey, first off. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it was like I had no friends. We had moved. When I was, uh, when I was in kindergarten, we moved to another city because that mm-hmm. was when our house got foreclosed on. Then my mom was interning somewhere, no money. We were living in literally, like, the hood, okay, of... Minnesota, which there is, motherfuckers, a hood in Minnesota, and um, we were living there, and then we moved again, because my mom got a better job, mm-hmm. like, moved up, and then we moved again, so I was moving every year, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, moved to a different school every mm-hmm. fucking time, so I had no friends, you know, no constant friends in my life, and so my mom was like, let's enter you into a sport so you can make some friends, and first time I put hockey skates on and went out there, I promise you, like, I was not good my mom she mm-hmm. comes up to me she's like you're a fucking natural oh, she's so encouraging you are a natural you were just it was so graceful watching you skate out there you are so incredible and and from right there i was like damn i'm a natural i'm a natural i can do anything and that mm. stuck with me my entire life is that i literally you will never find me like look at something and like internally or externally you will never find me look at something and be like i can't do that I think I can do anything, and like I'd rather, I'd rather fail than not try. And what made you want to join the second band? Well, I forgot the name. Oh, back. Well, yeah, back then. I mean, I mean, so the scared. scared yeah, scared yeah. kids, scaring kids. So yeah. I was, I was already mod son at that point. I had said to myself, I'm not playing drums anymore. Like I'm mm-hmm. moving on. I'm doing what I'm doing now. And um, scary kids, scaring kids. Who, like I said, man, I've been, I've just been really, really fortunate with 
having the gift of gab, you know what I'm saying? I can mm -hmm. get around people and just talk and they enjoy me and they want to help me in some way and, and they think of me and stuff like that and I'm very grateful and fortunate for that. And um, scary kids, scary kids, I would just kept me in their mind and, and then they needed a drummer. It's their drummer, something happened. And uh, so they thought of me immediately, they hit me up and asked me to play drums for them. I told them the only way I do it is that they let Matsan open up the show, which was a gift and a curse. Obviously, it was awesome, but I mean, I was playing in front of like 2,000 kids every night getting booed off the stage. You know what I'm it saying? It was a party in the USA. That's what I walked <laughs> out to. That was my opening song. And like now, like now you got to think like Miley Cyrus is kind of like a really cool culturally thing and like Party in the USA is kind of an anthem. Back then, a white boy coming out on stage with long hair, dancing oh, yeah. around, rapping to Miley Cyrus at a hardcore show. You got to just know I was like literally might have been the most fearless person in the world at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and is that how you, oh, then that's how you gained your fans initially was from, from them. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Like. It's from that, I mean, not necessarily just from them, but from that scene. Mm -hmm. From the whole scene of, of bands like Breathe Carolina and and um, and uh, and We the Kings, you know, were, were big. They're, they're still doing great. But all these bands, A Day to Remember and, and all these, these bands, th that was like the sector that I kind of existed in. And again, I was the first person to ever leave a scene like that and start rapping and make it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like I'm dead ass. Like I'm, I'm very proud of myself. I'm nowhere near done or where I want to be, but I've got a lot to show for myself. Mm -hmm. You know. Did you so? Did you always realize you could rap, or what was the turning point for that? <coughs> Drums. Drums is a rhythm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. rapping. It's like, like I look at music and I see it in a way that other people don't see it. Like I see music as swimming in between it you know what i'm saying it's hard mm -hmm. to understand that but like if you hear a beat a tempo like this i'm thinking of going right and that just turns into words i'm walking up on a fucking hill me and my girl she's going to hit the camera i'm with you like it just you know yeah and so what was the turning point that you separated from the band? Two things. One is I was trying to speak with my hands and my feet before playing mm -hmm. drums and instruments and I'm obsessed with words. I needed to speak the words, you know? Mm -hmm. So I needed to make that trip. What a beautiful trip. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> Such a fairy book over here, man. I love <laughs> my life. Um, I wanted to speak with, with not just my hands and my feet, you know? And then the other thing was um, like, I believe in you having to fully 100% believe in what you are doing for it to work. Mm -hmm. If you are in a band, you have to have the same beliefs, ideas, and desires as three or four other people. Yeah. It's very difficult to find those people. Very, very difficult to even find one person like that. That's why a lot of y'all are still looking for the perfect relationship. <laughs> How you doing, brother? <laughs> Chilling. After you became, like, solo, solo act, how, did you already have a fan base that you can tour off, or where was your career at that point? Um, yeah, well, to be totally honest, to be totally honest, I kind of did. Like, Mod Son, at the top of my career, like, I start, like, my shit has been working. Not working on, like, some major mainstream of, but working. Mm -hmm. Like, I've had a lot, dude, a lot of the people that are still... My biggest supporters mm -hmm. were literally there the day I quit Scary Kids or Four Letter Lie and was doing my son and shit. Oh, wow. They were there. 
and they've been following along with me that grown up with me it's so cool like i really have that i'm not no like and like the best part is like i've been doing this for a long time my people want me to win they want me to get on the radio they yeah. want me to go platinum they want that now because it's like you don't need to be the best kept secret anymore you know mm-hmm. like we've had you for long enough bro like go to the stars that's how they feel i know it but i i have been lucky again like i'm just grateful like that people that listen to me, they're looking for what I do. Looking for authenticity, they're looking for inspiration, they're looking for someone that they can be like, wow, that, like, I'm not looking at that person because I think they are like gorgeous or that they are stylish or that they're this. It's like, Mm -hmm. this motherfucker has something to say and I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And so I've always had, even if it was just a small group of people, but I also, like I said, I'm fearless. So I would be playing shows to five people. I don't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. And I'd be going nuts, like you see me on stage now. (laughs) I don't care. And so I've always, there's never been no one at my shows. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So if it was one person, 10 people, or 10,000, I was performing the same way. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. And then what was your, like, momentum after that sort of fan base? uh, Explain what you mean. Or, like, how did you get a wider audience than the ones from Scary Kids afterwards? Well, it all happened when a twist of fate just jumped in my lap, and I was chosen as one of the top 15 unsigned artists in the world to be on the cover of Rolling Stone. Mm -hmm. They did this competition in Rolling Stone magazine, chose 15 artists that were unsigned, and it was going to be the first time in history that Rolling Stone was going to give the cover to an unsigned artist. I got put in this competition that was sponsored by, like, Garnier and, like, (laughs) huge shit. And so this was literally, like, two years into just being Mod Sun, you know? Mm And I got chose by Rolling Stone. And yeah. I, I'm, in, I'm in five issues of Rolling Stone magazine mm-hmm. right now. Like, and that, that was at the start of my career, right? Like, there's going to be artists in this, whole, in this world that are, like, popping, you think, right now, that would die to be in one issue of Rolling Stone. Yeah. I'm in five issues. Like, my grandparents looked at Rolling Stone when I was in that and were like, wow, you're really doing something. Yeah. Because they can understand that. Like, so the Rolling Stone thing really tipped me off to, like, like even it, it not, not like it added, like, all these things to my career like it helped me pop Mm -hmm. but it made this level of seriousness be brought to me all of a sudden people were just like wow like i don't think we can ignore this anymore because rolling stone kind of has you know the holy grail opinion on music Mm -hmm. if they say this dude is worth being on the cover on sign he's got to be dope there's (laughs) got to be something going on here and so that just like you know i'll never like the the greatest thing about where i'm at in my career is that i know for a fact that people that are enormously bigger than me, they tell me things like, man, like, you're killing it, bro. Like, you look like you're having so much fun and you're doing your thing and you're successful. And I'm like, which, which, which is the thing that people are supposed to want here? Like, like cause I'm not on the radio. I don't got platinum plaques. I'm not playing a 10,000 arena and fucking shows. Mm-hmm. Like, and y'all are doing that and y'all are like looking at me envious of my life. There's a duality of that, like, you know, the grass is always greener type thing, but yeah. I think that I've kept it so genuine that, like, how you're seeing me today, like, you pulled up to my house, what was I doing? In the pool, <laughs> you know? <laughs> In the pool with my clothes on, smoking a joint, you know what I'm saying? And, like, chilling, my friends around, and you walk in my house, and it's full of art, and it's weird, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is, this is really my life. There's nothing that you see or think of my son that's, like, a fake thing, you know? Mm-hmm. This is really what I do, and I think that it shows. And I definitely try to try to display that, but I also don't exploit any of this. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like my favorite thing right now is just like saying a sentence and thinking like, okay, it's going to happen by blank line. If you think that there's a date there, like you're crazy. 
Like, life is is going to win. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to outsmart life. Like, you're going to get... If, if things are going to happen for you, it's going to be a miracle. Plain and mm -hmm. simple. You're not going to calculate how to fucking pop off. You're not going to calculate how to be successful. Life is going to give you a miracle if you deserve it. That All the people that are like... All, these people that have these houses. Like, look at this beautiful house right there. I promise you that motherfucker did not say, I'm going to have that house at that date when he's younger. Mm -hmm. No. Right? It's a miracle. This whole shit is... Everything is a miracle. And I, for a while, was, like, just because of talking about my early successes and stuff, being like, man, this is, like, this is going to be the song to do it. This is going to be the song to do it. And now, as you can see, I'm sure from the outside looking at me just dropping songs every week, not really <laughs> looking like I give a fuck about trying to make some campaign or, like, it's like, is the song going to do it for me? I don't know. You decide. Right? Mm -hmm. I'm not, I can't decide. <laughs> I can't decide what the fuck's gonna work for me. I don't know that shit. All I know is that, like, it's going to be a miracle. I'm, I'm waiting for my big miracle to come right now. Like, I know that. I know it's, like, on its way to me right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about it like this. Like, if you think about, like, a comet, like, heading to Earth, for real. Like, I think about that. Hey, shout out, comet. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. If you think about, like, a, here, I'm gonna go on this side of you. There we go. Switch it up. Get my good side. Okay. Um, think about, like, a comet, like, heading to earth shit like that exploding through the atmosphere heading towards you mm -hmm. that's how i feel about my miracle right now actually what does a miracle look like to you right now that's a great question um a miracle to me right now would be in the most simplest terms for like one of my songs to just absolutely do things that something for something that has never happened to me to happen mm -hmm. you know i want a song of mine to go platinum you know, I want mm -hmm. a song of mine to get on the radio. I want a song of mine to like take off so big that when I get into a taxi in Amsterdam, I get in the the, the cab and it's mm -hmm. playing on the radio and the dude has no idea who I am. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't want my face or what I say in my interviews or what I post on Instagram to be like the the thing. I want it to be my music and I literally want my face to not even be attached to it. I just want my song to do something that I couldn't do for myself. That's what a miracle would be for me right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And actually going off that, what inspired you to write your book? Uh, seriously, this is the funniest, this is my, this is one of my funniest statements. And it'll probably be on my tombstone. It's like this, like I put a deadline on my tombstone. <laughs> I know what I want them to say I was when I die. Mm -hmm. I want them to say, my son, musician, author, poet, artist, painter, designer. All, I want. I know what I want them to say. Mm -hmm. So how the fuck am I gonna have them say that stuff if I don't do it? <laughs> Plain yeah. and simple. It's like I always say this. Like Steven Spielberg's first film, I promise you, it was trash, oh, yeah. right? But mm -hmm. he wouldn't have made the fucking Steven Spielberg films, you know, if he didn't make that trash film at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. And so th that, that's how it is with my book. I was like, yo, I want to be an author. I have to write a book. Yeah. And then when was it? Was it in Paris that you were at this place that it was like? erasing you from the world or what was it yeah <laughs> that's still hard it's still really hard to talk about that because mm -hmm. um it's basically like you agree to like an oath of not talking about it. oh <laughs> um but but i i'm an open book man they knew what they were getting into but yeah i mean in paris there's pockets of the world that you can disappear to. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? There just absolutely is if you think that we're inhabited all around this fucking rock you're wrong and um I always had this idea that I was gonna like fake my own death, disappear, you know? Mm -hmm. Not tell anyone, like 
my mom would even think that I'm gone and disappeared. Like, no one would know the truth. <clears throat> and I was, like, doing it as an opus. I was about to drop my first album. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to disappear right before it drops. <laughs> and, and just leave for three years and just be gone. And then maybe come back or maybe not. But I was literally, like, I was going to do it. And um, just know, like... I, like a lot of the things that I say, they sound outrageous. Mm -hmm. But like the last thing I'm is a liar. <laughs> mm -hmm. So this was after all your band stuff. Oh, this. What you mean? <laughs> like the going to Paris. Was yeah. that after like going? So this is when you were already Modson, or was it? Yeah, after? no. This, yeah, I was Modson. Yep. Oh, yep, okay. I was, okay. I was trying to like place it. But in the this, timeline. yeah, this was so. This was this was um. Let's see. Two thousand fifteen. Two thousand fourteen. Two thousand fifteen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, not too long ago. Okay. And this was, yeah, I mean, shit, that sounds so recent. It feels way longer ago than that. But yeah, like <laughs> yeah. 2014 maybe. Yeah. And it was me and um, me and one of my friends out there. And I even, I even, so like I had this whole plan. I was going <laughs> to, I had this whole plan of what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I was going to give him basically the manual. He was going to be the person that kept his lips shut. And I was going to leave, hit, leave, not show up to the airport when we were supposed to leave Paris together. And he was going to get on the plane and mm -hmm. then find in his bag this whole manuscript that said, like, this is what I'm doing, bro. I'm checking out. You can't tell anyone, but you need to make sure that my music comes out and all that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I and mean, then, this is our lives, man. We yeah. can do whatever we want with it, you know? Mm -hmm. How did you meet Machine Gun Kelly? Um, uh, we met on Warp Tour. This is when we met. And it was so funny. Like, I was sharing a bus. This is like the greatest Warp Tour story of all time. <laughs> this, definitely need, this definitely needs to be a meme. It's like... <laughs> Dude, I was sharing a bus with T Mills, G Easy, Jeffree Star, and Jack Van. No way! <laughs> yes. yeah. Imagine G Easy, Mod Sun, and Jeffree Star hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> that was dead as a whole I summer. I didn't expect the Jeffree Star. A whole Jeffree was on our butt, like we, <laughs> and we're all like, like I've been friends with Jeffree Star for Jeffree Star, MySpace. You know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh. From forever, like. Like, I have so much love for Jeffree Star, too, because I've seen the whole world shit on him oh, for fucking, yeah. like, generation, bro. Yeah. And, like, for, for Jeffree Star to just be, like, so fucking rich right now and so popping <laughs> is, like, just, like, so a beautiful thing from the world. It's, like, authenticity. <laughs> now, Jeffree Star is a very controversial motherfucker. All right, Jeffree, you say some crazy shit sometimes, but I love it. Um, but we were all on a bus together, and um, Machine Gun Kelly got added to... Warp Tour to play like three weeks of it and um Kels is like a very special intricate human being you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. he will speak his fucking mind if it's one thing he's gonna do <laughs> he'll tell you exactly what's on his mind and um Warp Tour is a very different scene and and lifestyle you know you could play at 10 a.m or 5 p.m and you don't figure out until you wake up at 8 a.m you find out every day when you play. It's fucking crazy. And I promise you got wasted the night before. So it's like, it's a crazy scenario. And Kels was just like, wretched about it. Just like, ah, oh, in such a bad mood. And um, I was just like, he had no friend. He wasn't hanging out with anyone on Warped Tour. And part of the beauty of Warped Tour is like, you only play a 30 minute set and then you just chill all day and party with your friends. Like, mm -hmm. that's Warped Tour. And everyone's on buses. So it's like super rock star shit. And um, so like, me and Kels immediately just like clicked because he didn't have any friends and like the type of person I am is like me and Kels would click no matter what but like you know I have a lot to say so like he was just immediately interested um but actually that's where the whole G Easy Kels beef started oh 
was on that motherfucking bus. No way. Yeah, because Cal's didn't fuck with anyone on my bus except me, you know? Because mm-hmm. they would all, they were all, you know, some people are rude sometimes, and Cal's don't take it. You don't like it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I met Cal's on Warp Tour. We became immediately best friends and, uh, and just, like, there for each other. Like, our relationship, damn, get this shot, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, baby, it's my new whip, baby. <laughs> Um, we're just there for each other. Like we really text each other, just like, "How are you doing? Like you mm-hmm. good? Like love you, bro. You know." Um, How about with Black Bear? Shit sucks with Black Bear right now. Mm. <laughs> like it'll probably be good someday. I mean, I don't want the kid to to die or me to die without being friends again at some point. But mm-hmm. as of right now, like he did some fucked up shit to me personally that mm-hmm. I would never go on Twitter and write about. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And he kind of did the opposite of that. He thought I did some fucked up shit to him, and he went right to Twitter and wrote about it. And then um, he decided to drag it on and involve my family into it in a way and shit. And just stuff that I don't play. I'm a really real motherfucker. So if you're watching this, Bear, still got love for you, bro, but you owe me an apology. I kept it real. I always keep it real. I kept it real with you about the situation. We all know the situation that broke up me and Black Bear's fucking friendship. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, because you saw it online. <laughs> But that's what I'm saying is, like, you know, I'm a very stand-up guy, so, like, what you don't hear about that goes on behind the scenes is exactly, like, for that, for a reason. Mm-hmm. I don't go around speaking my, you know, you know what I'm saying here? Yeah. Like, not not to be saying anyone's fake, but fake people expose themselves. So it's like, you never have to tell, like, if you really have a problem with someone, you don't need to tell the world about your problem with them because they will expose themselves at some point. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, love for him. That's one of the only people that I have, like, static with. Mm-hmm. In this whole world right now. How did you meet Bella? <laughs> on tour. I met her on tour. I sat down next to her um, in Barney's in New York. Fell in love with her right there. <laughs> Swear to God. She knows it. And then that night, we ran. Like, like we became friends. for We were, we were best friends for six months before we ever kissed. Mm-hmm. Talked about a relationship. Anything. Literally there for each other. Like, I just told you about my, me and Kel's friendship. Mm-hmm. Hitting each other up. Yo, how are you? You good? Let's hang out and smoke. Never flirting like that. It was just straight up friends. Um, and, uh, yeah, that night, the night that we met, we, we ran through this, this, probably the nicest hotel in New York City, and it's like 6 a.m., and we, we, in all our clothes, just go and run through this fucking fountain together, like, long-ass fountain in front of this whole hotel, and I was like, wow, I found my, like, twin. Like, mm-hmm. you're crazy like me. Like, you really do this, like, to, like, to show, like, the the universe. Like, look it. We're humans. We're living. Like, do you see me right now? You know? Mm-hmm. Like, she really liked that. We got to that in the fountain. I looked at her. I wanted to kiss her so bad, and I didn't, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. She's, 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 she is to me, like, what I've needed my whole life mm. to be good. And, like, what I always tell her, and, and I always feel for real, is that we met a thousand years ago, and I've, like, been trying to find her ever since, you know? Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. What were the inspirations behind Shoulder and Selfish? Um, Shoulder, well, you know what? The great thing is, like, I make the beats. I make the music. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, like, an artist nowadays, especially an artist who's not making the music, who's just writing the words, I'm going to tell you what they do. They hear a song, I hear a beat. They probably, in their phone, have a few concepts written down for songs. Every song starts with a concept, you know? Mm-hmm. Just like the tagline or the, the idea of the song. And then the verses are how you build up to that, how you break down. Like, it's basically like the hook is a sentence, and the verses are paragraphs about the sentence, okay? Every song that, that you're not making the beat for and the music for, that's what you're doing. You're coming to the concept, you're looking at, like, fucking math homework. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And... 
that's that's how you come into songs by like having an inspiration and stuff. You know what I'm saying? A song like Selfish, mm -hmm. like I started making the music. Like you just start making the music right when it starts. I just I picture I have I'm a visionary. I know that I'm a visionary. There's a difference between a visionary and not a visionary. It's very simple. It's like do you hear a song mm -hmm. and do you see the the music video? Like yeah. when you just hear it, do you see it? Like can you hear someone talk and like picture their environment when they're talking? That's a visionary. Mm -hmm. If you don't, that doesn't mean you're you're bad. You're just not a vision person. You don't have the like you don't see a vision without trying when something is happening without a vision in front of you. So it's like I'm a visionary person. So when I hear a song, I start seeing the the the, the movie of it. I start seeing the words. They just happen. And like I've I've wrote in all different ways, but now like a song like Shoulder, that song was start to finish done in 25 minutes. Oh, wow. The beat, all the lyrics, all the recording, the mixing, the editing, 25 minutes. Not even kidding. 25 minutes. And it's like that song could make me cry for the rest of my life because it's emotional, it's real, it's great words. And it's like I don't question myself at all. It's instinct. It's all pure instinctual. And it's I, I, I just, there's this whole theory that I run by that's like I hate dotted lines. You know, if you got a pair of scissors and they put down a dotted line and say cut this. Like I'm purposely going to make jagged edges because that's what makes it mine. Like mm -hmm. jagged edges are perfect to me. That's what makes it a piece of my statement. If I just cut to a dotted line, any motherfucker can do that. And they're all cut in the same line. I want jagged edges. So I don't I don't think twice anymore with my music. I don't write my lyrics. I don't do any of that. I just mm -hmm. sh comes out like vomit. <laughs> How would you say your music has changed compared to the early songs you made? Oh man, I mean, um, I, I'm probably the worst person to answer that question because, like, everyone has an opinion on that. Mm -hmm. Like, especially my people, because I'm an I'm an evolving artist. Like, I don't make the same project twice. Rarely make the same song twice. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'd probably be a lot farther into my career if I would do that. <laughs> So it's like, my music changes. I mean, look at the songs I released last week, uh, in the last month, and it's, every song's fucking different. I'm really trying to be versatile and find out what my sound is to like really be able to capitalize on that and give them like the exact sound they want. But shit, man, I'm still trying to figure out what y'all want from me, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't even know. So like my music has changed immensely. Has it gotten better? Absolutely. Has lyrical content gotten gotten like less intelligent in a way? Absolutely. Because like trying to fucking make it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I can't say I don't wanna be an underground rapper. I don't wanna be a backpack rapper. I don't wanna be that stuff. I'm not talking to trying to sound like I'm talking out of a dictionary. Like what I was doing at the beginning with my really, really super positive, inspirational, law of attraction, rap, saying words you've never heard before, was just that. I was doing something that no one had ever done before. And now, people are exploiting positive thinking. People are exploiting the law of attraction. People are exploiting all these things that, like, to me, that ass, like, I brought in a whole new way. And then I think that people have really ran with a lot of the sauce that I fucking brought to the game. Like, I will adamantly say for the rest of my life, without my son, Kendrick Lamar's I love myself would not exist. I know that. Look up picture, look, look, just type in Kendrick Lamar, Mod Sun, okay? He used to wear a Mod Sun hoodie, all right? That's my dog, like I know Kendrick, mm -hmm. I know Schoolboy. Schoolboy's first fucking feature he ever did for someone was on a Mod Sun song. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I know these people. They're inspired by my positivity that I brought. Lil Yachty's career of pop, hip hop, rap. Like I did that in 2009, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. 
So like, I, I, I know exactly, and, I, and look, look, I'm probably gonna get, you know, any kind of derogatory comments about someone talking about themselves so narcissistically, but I'm aware, that's all it is. Like, I'm aware of what I've done. I know that I've helped this game, this culture, this time of music be better. I know I have, mm-hmm. I know that. So it's like, I know what I've done and I know that my music has definitely changed into a lot of people that have listened to me from the start, like gotten less intelligent or, or thought provoking. And it's like, I'm totally aware of that too. Like I'm trying to really become the biggest artist in the world. You know, I mm-hmm. want to. What would you say have been your biggest challenges so far in your life? My family. Um, like, if I had a perfect family, I'd probably, I mean, I wouldn't be me, but I'd have a lot different of chaos inside my mind. Mm. My family has caused a lot of pain to me. Um, my sister is a, one of the greatest people in the whole world. I love her so much. And so she's like the, the family rock for me. Mm-hmm. But, like, my family has caused me an immense amount of pain, you know, plain and simple. But it's also, like, lessons for me because I'm going to have a family someday, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that. That was the, that is the most challenging thing in my life. Uh, otherwise, all of this shit, like, this is really fun for me. Like, just waking up, doing stuff. I feel really good to be alive. Every fucking breath that I take in actually tastes good, you know? Mm-hmm. It really does. Actually, for the people watching, like, what kind of advice do you have for people who also have, like, difficulties with their families oh man like such a crazy crazy <coughs> I have more questions than I do answers about it mm, you know yeah I really wish I I think that's one of the things that I'm going to work on the most is that like just this whole hour I feel like I've sounded like I have the answer and like I don't you know what I'm saying I really fucking don't have the answer um, but I'm happy with still questioning things you know mm-hmm. um but i don't have the answer and i could probably learn more from them than they could learn from me about this family shit because my way of working with this stuff is probably the most toxic way it's like i shut everything off you know what i'm saying i haven't spoke to my mom and this is the longest i haven't spoke with her in a while and ever i mean you know mm-hmm. and i and i've gone years without talking to my dad so that's not the way to do it so, I, yeah, I don't, I have really bad advice on this family shit because I'm still trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. honesty, you know. Last question. What does love mean to you? Love, love. I'm trying to define it every day of my life. <laughs> love, man. Love is the, the greatest thing ever, dude. It's the, it's the one, the one, the one thing that actually needs no definition. Mm. It's like the one true feeling. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what love is. And if you try to describe it, you're fucking insane. But if you could describe it, it would be the big picture. Love is the big picture. Everybody's human. And I think that being human and being free, like, everybody knows insecurity is, like, the most unattractive quality on the planet. Like mm-hmm. Nobody likes to see insecurity. But insecurity is just honesty, and it's also admiration for someone else. Yeah. Um, there's weird ways to look at it, but... Love is the big picture. You can't suffocate love or it won't make it. And so you always have to react to the, to the idea that the future is worth the present. Hmm, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, of course, baby. Thank you. <laughs>
I love you. My son's your best friend. <laughs> We almost fell off a cliff and stuff, but that's, the, that's what happens when you're out here living your best life.